Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. My guest today is Daniel Russo, who lives in upstate New York. He is founder and president of the Church of God Network. Welcome to The Cubic Report, Daniel. Hey, Mr. Cubic. Glad to be here. I met Daniel probably four years ago when I was president of the United Church of God. He came by the office to meet me and introduce himself. At that time, this was just before he started Church of God Network. He stated that he had some ambitions to be a helpful resource to people in the COG world. He wanted to coordinate resources. He wanted to provide information or be able to share information with people who had known each other at one time, maybe even family members who had known each other, very good friends, associates and working individuals who had separated out and had cut themselves off from one another in different groups. And so he was just very positive and very, very, uh, I appreciate his ambition and very visionary of wanting to do something good. We are aware that the Church of God, going back to the worldwide Church of God, has gone through various splits. We all know that, we painfully know that, because at one time we were part of a monolith, but are now scattered over various churches, groups, grouplets, I guess I call them, and fellowships. Relationships, as I've already mentioned, have been strained and some have damaged. So people who knew each other now are part of something else. And Daniel, in particular, had come to me with a few questions that I remember very well. He said he wanted to develop a directory of all churches, you know, where they could be found. Kind of online directory, if you're looking for a church in this particular group or that particular group, you know, where they could um, be found. Also, he asked us about coordinating some of the resources that we have, our literature and that. I know I told Daniel, Daniel, we don't need your help in that particular way. Uh, I know that that's one thing that really struck me because the United Church of God has such a deep a bench of, of literature. You know, we are helping all kinds of people. But nonetheless, you know, he was very interested in that. And we actually are the ones who provide a lot of material for a lot of other groups. You know, people request literature. Of course, online you could download and reprint a lot of things. We have 600,000 pages of content, huge amount of resources. I just wanted to, to introduce Dan to you briefly. But Dan who is Daniel Russo? Maybe you could tell us in your own words, who is Daniel Russo? Sure, sure. Uh, well, Daniel Russo is now a 32-year-old uh, guy from Albany, New York. Uh, weird to be in my 30s now. I grew up in the Church of God. My parents came in, my dad in the uh, late 70s, my mom in the early 80s. Um, she went to Ambassador. So I grew up in the, the Church of God sphere. Grew up loving when brethren would come over, uh, sort of the most exciting times of the year when people would come through our neck of the woods. We were not too far away from New York City, so we were sort of a, a hub for people traveling. I was baptized at 18, so uh, over a decade ago now. I've spent my professional career in the nonprofit space. So I worked for a think tank for four years. Uh, I went to graduate school for a master's in public administration in nonprofit management um, as a concentration. And then afterwards uh, started Church of God Network. Briefly for a couple of years worked for an organization 
that helped families with um, children with developmental disabilities. And now we're here. So Church of God related things, whether it's Church of God Network or my personal studies or uh, being with brethren, sort of the most fun thing in the world to me. But I'm also a big music guy, love playing music, love listening to it, big uh, football fan, big Giants fan. So that's just a little bit about me. Okay, well, that's I've learned about you in the last four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> more than I totally knew about you before that. So I appreciate that. And I'm sure that everybody would like to hear that. How did you uh, uh, start what you're doing? Because when I first met you, the organization was not yet formed. You were just talking to me yeah. about what you wanted to do. And, and we were just getting acquainted. And my assistant and I talked to you. We, we really actually enjoyed your presence and were very positively impressed by what you were doing. But we would like to know more about this Church of God network and your team. You you, you refer to your team, not yeah. as something that you as a sole operator and founder and organizer and everything else, but you have a team of people. What is it and what does it do? Sure. Yeah. So Church of God Network is a nonprofit that um, works to build community within the Church of God by facilitating connection, encouraging conversations and giving back. And we exist solely for the purpose of building community within the Church of God and advocating for actions and attitudes that further that purpose. So we're not a church organization. We're not a membership organization. You know, people can't join us. Um, we also don't encourage people to send their tithe to us. Uh, we don't want to be in competition with church organizations in any way. We're really just designed to be a nonprofit that uh, works to facilitate cooperation and a greater sense of key cohesiveness in the Church of God. Yeah, when I when I first met you, I think it was maybe six months after I got the sort of the idea for the concept of Church of God Network. It was at the feast in 2017, and in that point in my life, I'd had a, a few experiences that had sort of laid the groundwork for the idea. So when I was working at the political think tank, we had exposure to a group called the State Policy Network, which was a professional association of nonprofits who were you know, conservative libertarian think tank organizations. And so they would facilitate the sharing of resources between those organizations so that if someone was doing a labor policy initiative in New York and one had already been done in Wisconsin, the two organizations there could share best practices and communicate and, you know, not duplicate actions or reinvent the wheel. So that was sort of mulling around in, in the background of my mind. I had first started to come into con close contact with another church organization. I grew up in a, in a, I guess what you call an independent Church of God congregation. We were the, simply the worldwide Church of God in, in Westchester County, New York. And when the changes hit, we just stayed put. We didn't incorporate. My family didn't join another COG. So my exposure to the rest of the church of god was limited until my mid to late 20s when my brother went to graduate school became very close with a cargo congregation which was the nearest church of god congregation for him and then they became like our family by extension and so that in combination with my exposure to the state policy network was a pretty powerful um, foundation for wound up what wound up happening at the feast of tabernacles where i met a couple of people who showed up at our fee site randomly, a small independent fee site. And they said, hey, you know, our goal right now is, you know, we just came out of this Church of God, but our goal is to meet as many brethren in the Church of God as possible. And it just struck me that, hey, I think for my generation and really everyone in the Church of God going forward, I think the people who have the, who are going to have the most fulfilling experience in the Church of God are those who are the most well-networked personally, because you can no longer get sufficient exposure 
to all of our brothers and sisters. Now, one thing that is a fear among organizations is that there will become that there will be a doctrinal pollution, so to speak. You know, I, I can't mm -hmm. I can't think, yeah. uh, think of a better word. Is that you know you get people together and you have this idea, that idea. You know, one of the reasons why the United Church of God started, you know, and I was there, I was one of the organizers of the first meetings of the church, and we had two big pillars of, of thought. One was that we're not going to have one person uh, just call the shots for the work, and that's mm -hmm. why we developed the board, and later called the Council of Elders. And then secondly, uh, we just were very, very strict about doctrine and we developed our 20 fundamentals of belief. We spent an entire summer, entire summer with about three or four meetings before the United Church of God. Well, it was just after it started, incorporated, but immediately when we wrote our constitution, which became the second article in the constitution, was our fundamental beliefs. We don't want to tamper with that. We don't want to mess with that. We don't want other mm -hmm. people to, in any way, take that away. Give me your, uh, how do you protect or value or respect that? Sure. Yeah, well, um, so on our website, actually, we have um, 10 co uh, core beliefs, if you want to call them that, for the Church of God. And sort of it's the very most fundamental beliefs that we have shared as a community. The need for uh, baptism, Bible being the inspired and infallible Word of God, the need for repentance, uh, that Christ's death reconciled us to God, and His resurrection saved us, the keeping of the holy days and whatnot. And it's a pretty comprehensive list and of course that's not meant to define what the church of god is right that's up to god to do but we believe it provides a solid framework of the most important beliefs we all share completely understand the fear of different different groups of people being exposed to different ideas and the fear of leadership that it might deceive people or change people's minds and result in another split i think that's um a very real fear that we've all lived with in the you know, 30 years since uh, worldwide fell apart. So it's a, it's a legitimate concern. Right. Well, I know it's very important to us is that we rightly divide the word of truth. We study yeah. to show ourselves approved. We yeah. are to convict, as it says, the gainsayer. You know, we're to do all these things, and you have to have knowledge. You have to have knowledge in order to yep. do that, which is actually a very good thing because it challenges you to, can you explain your beliefs? Yep. Can, can you explain at a school board meeting why you keep the Sabbath? Let me ask you first, we'll kind of bounce around with a few different questions. Uh, sure. How many people are you working with? Or work, you, know, you said you have a team, and, mm -hmm. I, and I see that you have, you, you have your own podcast, which I've listened to uh, <laughs> uh, some of them, one with a person here that I know very well in our, in our church. So uh, what kind of a group is this? And, and besides your website, what type of communications do you have? Sure. Uh, so our board of directors is six people currently. Uh, started with um, four of us, and now it's at six. Uh, we have a team of, I want to say, a dozen or so volunteers that help out in terms of managing our programs or um, uh, helping us maintain. For example, we have the congregation map that you sort of alluded to in the beginning, where um, you could go on our website and see all the different uh, Church of God organizations and and where they meet in your area it, sometimes it's not specific if it's not listed online but so people helping us manage that data we have um, folks who founded programs for us and then of course there's uh, probably another dozen or so folks who have been guests on uh, our podcast or written guest blogs for us so it's quite a few people um, helping to make this thing a reality plus all the folks who you know uh, 
are in contact with us and giving us helpful feedback and and uh, whose ideas they they send our way or whose we bounce ideas off of. So um, it really is a, a team effort. But outside to your second question, outside the website, we have uh, we're like any other nonprofit in terms of we have actual programs we do. We have uh, three, I guess, technically three grant programs, two grant programs and one program that we're going to transition from a grant program into um, something else, but that will be coming in in January. So we try to facilitate and encourage and um, help financially back uh, organizational events in the Church of God that cross group boundaries. So it's the Church of God Fellowship Events Grant Program. So if someone wants to do a you know, a barbecue somewhere and invite people from across the Church of God that um, we help facilitate those events. Uh, we've had several ministers from groups who want to do uh, like a joint Holy Day service across organizations and they've submitted applications and we've helped fund those. Um, anything regarding uh, Sabbath services or Holy Days, we require um, ministerial letters of reference or, or buy-in for the events because, again, we don't want to uh, go around or circumvent leadership. But um, we also have a, a grant program that helps people in the developing world, brethren in the developing world, either start businesses or continue their education. So we do a number of things. Again, sort of if you break our mission down into the three components, right, facilitating connection, encouraging conversations and giving back. So that first part is sort of building the infrastructure for people to connect because a lot of that has been lost. And I think especially for my generation moving forward, um, if we don't build that infrastructure, it's going to be hard for us to maintain meaningful relationships across the church of God. And then secondarily, encouraging those conversations, you know, having meaningful spiritual fellowship. It's not just about like having hot dogs in the park and going to baseball games. It's you know, about real fellowship and getting to know each other. And then third, a part of the mission is giving back. There has to be a, a service component to um, the community building and the healing that the Church of God needs. Mm -hmm. That's, that's uh, very interesting. You know, one thing I admire about you, which I've just learned here, is uh, your experience with the nonprofit world and the way nonprofits think, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of outcomes and resources and a plan and, and goals. I mean, I think that's, that's terrific. Uh, have you, can you maybe cite some successful project that, that you've done just so that we can kind of know a little bit more about it? Sure. Yeah. So again, um, we were very fortunate to become a, a grant making organization earlier than expected. So we've had over uh, two dozen grantees across our um, three programs over the last, I want to say two, two and a half years. We have, uh, as a part of that too, funded quite a few cross group events. So that's important. One of the biggest wins I would say is that we have a very well developed network, um, again, hence Churchy Guide Network, uh, where of contacts over the last three or four years of you know me traveling around and a lot of folks on our board who have established connections so we have a pretty good informal mechanism to reach across church organizational bounds when people come to us uh, looking for assistance for example you know we were talking before the podcast about a friend of mine who um, is in a different church got organization from UCG but was wondering hey I heard that there's an issue going on in Angola how can we help out so he reached out to me knowing that I knew folks in UCG, and so I asked you. And you know, those we really believe in the power of networks to to get uh, information to different places faster, to 
uh, help everyone involved build their capacity and improve their their systems you know uh, that's a big part of of what we do uh the podcast has been successful i think people have really enjoyed listening to some of the conversations we've had on issues that um, might not necessarily be heard as often in church uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing just because you know we don't we don't feel like it's up to us to to you know teach people about the holy days or the passover or something right that the church uh, organizations do a good job doing that so we try to talk about more of the uh secondary and tertiary issues you know we, we just um finished recording an episode on pornography addiction we did one on politics in the church of god so people have responded very positively to that as well and um just as a heads up to everyone listening in the in the coming year we plan on offering up more ways for people to be involved with church of god network if they want to um we're gonna start exploring the idea of having sort of church of god network contacts in each state in the united states that way we have uh, a bunch of people representing the, the whole community building attitude and working with people to know what's going on where the uh, where people need help what different things people can do to assist brethren so uh, we're excited about that in the coming year you know i might just comment too is that um, the churches of god have have not just been all into themselves people don't realize that there have been conversations and mm -hmm. and the reason i say that is because i was part of them you know as president i communicated with the presidents and with other managers of other organizations uh, because in one particular case there was an issue of members and marriages and and that type of thing you know where people were needed help but i was able to have a discussion with their mm -hmm. managers about what's the best way for us to both both of us both of our organizations to be able to to help out uh, in another uh, instance uh, i have traveled to the headquarters of another one of the churches and was very very warmly met very very warmly received uh, yeah. uh, at, at those organizations we've reported on this one of them was back when dennis luker was still living he was a president before me where we went and visited with the living church of god and just had a very warm meeting it was supposed to be just a couple hours it ended up being the whole day you know because yeah. we just felt a yearning of people who knew each other and yeah. their president, you know, Roderick Meredith says, oh, I remember you when you were in college, I trained you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all this, you know, and everybody, you know, and then also uh, other things have brought us together. This is with the Living Church of God. When they had a tragic accident in, I believe, the state of Wisconsin, a water ski accident where one yeah. of the campers was killed. She was from Aust yep. Australia. And I, I know that uh, to Roderick Meredith, I wrote a very, very personal note uh, a very, very personal note, handwritten. You know, it was, was not a note, it was a whole letter of my expressing the, the, the tragic feeling that we had towards what's happened. And he wrote back yeah. to Roy Holiday and me at that time and just said, maybe it's instant, maybe it's examples like this, or maybe it's uh, events like this that will help bring us together. I mean, that's what he actually said, yeah. that, that will help us bring us together. And I was just really moved because on the official front, at times, you know, everybody kind of stands off, doesn't know really what to do, what to say. They feel awkward. You know, people yeah. start accusing one another. But I think that on the personal level, I do believe that there are people who want to come together. Yes. Of course, with Living Church of God, and I just got to incite them, we never split from them and they never split from us. And so we, we call ourselves spiritual cousins, you know, yeah. in that way. But I do feel like people who even have had 
difficult estrangements, let's put it that way. I've had someone here, too, that, you know, came to me before the Passover from another organization where we had a bitter falling out, falling out and said, I don't even know if you want to talk to me, but I want to come to you and I'd like to, you know, uh, be able to fix what we had. We've known each other for, you know, many, many years and we shouldn't yeah. be this way. We, we, our families are very, very close. And we basically threw our arms around each other like Jacob and yeah. Esau, you know, mm -hmm. Esau and Isaac. And I feel that perhaps some of the movements like this, what you're trying to do it is at street level, we've tried to do it at the managerial level, perhaps when we have more reason to do it uh, in the times in which we live or when we grow up actually, <laughs> that we can come to that because at one time we were this huge monolith and now that we've shattered into, we have no idea how many groups, it's hundreds of groups yeah. that people have shattered too. So I just wanted to make that little monologue here on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, that's a, and it's a very good point too because I, I do think people don't realize uh, the extent to which those conversations and those um, different cooperative events do happen because it's not very um, publicized. So the so Church of God Network sort of also sees itself as an advocacy organization, right? We, It's not like we look at ourselves like, oh, we want to be the ones to uh, build community and, and do all these efforts. Like if, if people are doing it, out there and it's happening like let us just help promote it like let's uh, let us know when it's happening and because even you know we one time posted a a, a picture just it was um a few people who had uh, in leadership who had gotten together and they were okay with us uh, posting the picture they took online and people loved it like it's it's so encouraging to folks when they see examples of cooperation uh, in the church of god that i think sometimes you know it seems uh, clear that that you see the value of it, but I think a lot of times leadership underestimates the power in just saying, hey, yeah, we got together. Like, it wasn't a big deal. We know each other. We love each other. Um, so even those small examples are powerful, and they help move the needle um, on this issue. Because really for us, you know, I think for years, many people, you know, the, the reason for CGN existing is that for many years, I think a lot of us felt that we only had two options, either try to reunite everyone under one organizational roof or do nothing and wait for God to fix it, right? But sort of, we believe that there is a middle ground there that we can take incremental steps towards um, a more positive outcome that if we, uh, even if we don't all unite under one roof uh, as we predominantly were before, if we had uh, frequent fellowship, open communication, active cooperation between not only members, right, but but staff as well, that would be a much more healthy body of people. And uh, while we do you know, at CGN do a lot of stuff at the membership level, a big goal for us is building those relationships at the leadership level because any effort that happens can't be a membership versus leadership dynamic. We Everyone has to be um, involved. Uh, people have to be respectful of each other um, regardless of the, the role or office we we occupy so uh, a big thing for a big goal for us too has always been and is increasingly to continue to develop relationships with church organizations and leaderships find ways that we can help church organizations in any capacity so that's a that's a big thing for us as well well i know we have to also recognize that some of the barriers to that and they are very real barriers i have found yeah i have found that uh, i actually I've, I've been a web enthusiast since 1996 i had my first website cubic.org, which still runs, almost uh, pushing 30 years uh, back when 
websites were just brand new. And I started a forum, would you believe, back they had a, a forum facility on the provider that I had. And I started a forum in about 1997 or 8 called Recon 2000. Uh, it stood for Reconciliation by 2000. And I know that when I put that on to try to get people to talk and exchange ideas, there were a lot of angry comments that came out. I had to shut it down finally because people were still hurting. Uh, People were still angry. People were still feeling abused. They felt betrayed and all that, all that came out. And right now, even now, you know, on Facebook, when discussions head in that direction, you see people just get very, very angry and uh, start uproar and conversation goes nowhere and you have to shut it down because everything is just so uh, harsh. But anyway, I'm just saying that those are some of the things to really think through in how you you how you approach it. So I I, I think I like your idea about leadership and the grassroots. And the thing is, right now, people communicate differently. It it isn't just the telephone. In fact, the telephone and email are getting to be kind of passe. (laughs) Everybody's (laughs) texting one another and, and, you know, doing doing it differently. Uh, People consume information by Podcasts like this, you know, they just like mm-hmm. to tune in and hear what's said instead of having a big message out to everybody, you know. Right. Uh, p- people, you know, we still have that, but there are three million podcasts in America, and that's how that, that's where the buzz is, you know, and yeah. through social media. Uh, it, it really is. So we're going to have to kind of, and also, I have been a techie from day one. I, I have always tried to stay included. I'm not a leader in it, but I know enough about it and involved in it a lot to uh, try to take advantage of it. And also my background of knowing a lot of people from the past, it is a desire of mine to see that we can bring as many people together as possible. And when two brothers reconcile and can throw their arms around each other and say, all is forgiven, come back, you know, I have told people too, you know, online, they come back. Nope, we won't ask any questions. Let's just get mm-hmm. back together. Yeah, uh, th- that is something that I feel that angels rejoice in as much as somebody being baptized. <laughs> yeah, and that's a great that's a great point. Actually, I'll I'll tell a, a brief story. One of the the stories that that led to the founding of Church of God Network. So, because it's right up uh, along those lines. My parents, when they first came into the church, they were in down. Well, when they first got married, they were in downstate New York, um, like in New York City, the Brooklyn area. And there's this couple who my parents knew really well at the time. And they were more than just casual friends. Like my my dad had a church band at the time. They played at uh, this couple's wedding. My dad coached the, the wife in YOU when she was younger. And then uh, later on, you know, just sort of my, my parents moved to a little bit further upstate New York. So they just kind of lost touch. Then the changes hit and the splits happened. And so they just hadn't heard from them in a, in a while. And then one day my, uh, my folks move even further upstate New York to the Albany area for a bit where I am now. Um, and one day my mom is just randomly in a health food store in the city of Albany. And she runs into this woman from the couple I was, uh, mentioning before. And they're like, Oh, oh my goodness. What in the world? Like, I fancy meeting you here. Like I didn't, I didn't realize you were in the area and sure enough not only was that couple in the area not only did they have children the age of my brother and my uh myself but they had at that point my family had been in albany for about six years and they had been in uh the area maybe 15 minutes away for about a decade plus so we for six years had been living 10 minutes away from each other 
and did not know because we were just in different Church of God groups. And it just struck me at the time how uh, how tragic that felt, but also how nice it was that we were able to reconnect. And to your point about having pre you having pre-existing relationships, what's interesting is that we're at an interesting generational crossroads in that uh, my parents' generation, your generation have a lot of connections and a personal network that span groups because they um, those relationships predate the splits. Mm -hmm. So so those networks exist. Whereas for people really about my age and younger, so I'm sort of at that cutoff point where I was, you know, two to five years old when the splits happened. We don't have those established relationships. So th that network building needs to take work. And, and to your point, even previous to, to that, uh, that it's very tough and there's a lot of emotion and people get really riled up about it. That's that's absolutely true. And one of the things that we're trying to do differently is is go into that process with our eyes open, knowing that there's a lot of emotion and trying any way possible to accommodate and to avoid setting people off in certain sensitivities and also not getting discouraged and giving up when when we get pushback, because there is a, uh, a pretty famous book uh, by Malcolm Gladwell called it The Tipping Point. Oh, yeah. And. And it's about, um, you know, how either products or ideas or movements take root in a population. And one of the important, he goes over several different types of people who play a role in the process of a, a product or a movement taking off and reaching its tipping point uh, where all of a sudden it becomes more mainstream and more people adopt it. And the early adopters play a really big role because there are people who buy into an idea or a product before it's accepted, and they sort of take the the arrows and the shots from people who are skeptical until it's sort of you know safe for the mainstream to come in and adopt that as well. So we sort of see ourselves as that, where mm -hmm. doing doing the work, the harder uh, you know, even just aggregating all the congregation information into one place, it's a lot of manpower. But if we can do it and then share that with folks. Then all of a sudden it's a little bit easier for the average person with you know a family and juggling work and their responsibilities at church to do a small part and maybe visit someone or reconnect with brethren or something so that everyone could be involved down the line well that's wonderful to hear it sounds like the red cross of, <laughs> <laughs> of the churches you know uh, out there to pick up and to heal to, to help heal uh, i know that uh, the feelings that run in the churches and I feel like it's like a marriage. The reason divorce is so awful is because so yeah. much was invested in love, you know, to begin with. You have everything, mm -hmm. your whole self invested in that, and then when that falls apart, your whole world falls apart, and that's yeah. what causes the, the hatred. And, and the relationship in church is more than just being a member, uh, like yeah. a m member of a garden club or uh, something like that where... If people leave, well, so what? You know, we just move on to something else. But this is it. You know, this is this is big, and you know, it's your mother, and and, and you have this breakup, and you know, like they say, there's no hurt like church hurt, and there's no mean like church mean, and th that's what's happened to us. People who have the Holy Spirit of God, that reflect all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, or should, and then you find the, all those feelings that just fester and blow up. And it's, it's a healing process and something that we all on our own way should not respond in kind because I, the devil does not, devil works in an angry person. You know, God's spirit cannot work in an angry person. 
Right. And I think a big part of that too, at least in, in my journey and all this is uh, the, the key part is being self-aware and having humility because if you see yourself accurately, if you, if we each see ourselves as the, the wretched people we are and the, and see ourselves for all the problems we have in our lives and the things we struggle with, it's much harder to, to get on other people's cases, right? If, if we see ourselves accurately, then it should be easy to, or easier to, to forgive folks, to not be uh, as hostile to realize, look, you know, they did something that bother me or they did this they this extreme hurt in in my past but i know i'm just as capable of that thing as they are i'm not going to think too highly of myself let's let's reconcile right because that's second you know, corinthians says that's what god has given us the ministry of reconciliation mm-hmm. um and so i think a big part of that comes down to our individual calling and and knowing who we are before god and then extending to others the same level of forgiveness God has extended to us. I think a good reading of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, the yeah. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is called yep. the least practiced sermon <laughs> least pra- <laughs> yeah. know, in the Bible. The most yeah. widely known and the least practiced about loving mm-hmm. your enemy and being forgive- for being forgiven, and God forgives us as we forgive others. I mean, that's it's, it's right there in those trenches that the, yeah. an- that the answers are, are found, not in accusation. We need to stop accusing people, not knowing what's in their heart. So, um, what are your? Uh, you pretty much told me about your future plan and about some of the positive things that you have to uh, to help out. And and uh, you were cons- you were interested in some helping out with Angola, uh, which mm-hmm. which is um, a a church that has uh, it's larger. It's uh, it's almost half the size of the United Church of God around the country here. Uh, they have many congregations scattered throughout there, and we've had a relationship with them. I remember going back to when I worked with the Worldwide Church of God. In fact, mm-hmm. their their corporate name still is Worldwide Church of God, even though they've left them. Uh, we we um, w- with the people in Angola had up and down relationship you know, over the years, but the church for the most part has stuck with the Sabbath, with with the keeping of the holy days, the Feast of Tabernacles, you know, some of the fundamental. Most of the fu- the fundamental beliefs that we have is basically what what they have, and of course they're in a stressed area. They live in a country that's run by, you know, the communists. It's a country that's gone through fifty years of civil war, horrendous history, difficult leadership and government, and uh, poverty. They're very poor. I was there with the director of the Portuguese speaking areas of the world, uh, George de Campos, and uh, that's an area that. Uh, we, we are working with, and they are now changing their name to the United Church of God, and uh, we'll be part of that. Yeah, I mean, we, we're always looking for, for ways to help out in, in um, efforts that are already going on, right? Because a big thing for us is not duplicating effort, but if, if something good's going on, helping out or forwarding people who want to help to those efforts. Yeah, just to, to your question about things going um, going forward, plans for the for the coming year. We have a couple of things in the works um, regarding resource sharing across groups. Uh, we had a program called Within Your Gates, which was uh, a project to help promote and fund uh, work parties for individuals. Like if, they, if their house flooded and people want to get together and help do the repairs, we would help fund that and um, push people in those areas who want to serve to go help with the work party. But we're transitioning that into a general emergency response inter church of god assistance program uh where 
you know, like you, you mentioned that example that the tragedy in, in Wisconsin at Camphor LCG. And, you know, I, I have a lot of friends in LCG and that was a very dark moment for them. I, people will remember this year uh, when the daughter of a family in Kagawa went missing and was unfortunately murdered and people in the area got together across groups to help out in the search and then help the, help the family. So we want to be more connected with uh, the different areas of, of this country and abroad in terms of what's going on, where there are areas where people can help. That way we can marshal more resources in the Church of God to help in the, when those situations come up, as opposed to just folks in those isolated areas needing to address the issue on their own. There's, there's so many people who want to help in the Church of God. And so increasing access uh, for, of that information to everyone can reap a lot of benefits, we believe. Well, that's that's great. I'm just very happy to hear that. I know that when uh, we started up United Church of God, or when I started working at the home office, and we had a special conference to kind of get things going again after the Cogwell mm -hmm. split, that uh, there was a loud voice there saying, we want to be able to do something. We want to be able to do something with congregations to help the outside and to help not just our own, but to help others. And, you know, I've had this nonprofit myself for the last 23 years called LifeNets. You've probably heard of it and maybe mm -hmm. have gone there. And yep. and it's uh, it's independent. It's been on its own. We have a board uh, that is run. We had, uh, bo the board now consists of United Church of God people, but some of the people who helped organize it were Seventh-day Adventists. And we had some extremely fine professional people from the Center of Philanthropy that helped us get going and showed us how to do it. And, Tell us how they did their their organizations, and we have become friends. But we have helped all kinds of people, and we have uh, even right now with uh, Hurricane there in Southern Florida, Ian. You know, we, we found that there was a place. Well, this is actually three United Church of God members who lost their whole property there in in, 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 in a trailer court. You know, and, and Linus Lifeness was there. You know, to, to help people. Sometimes it's not known. Sometimes they don't speak up. Sometimes they say no at first, but then the need is there. But it's good to have people who have a sense of sensitivity toward nonprofit work, and know the psychology of victims, and also about long-term care. That mm -hmm. that is very much needed. And I just really appreciate what what you people do. Because I know that pastors and the church and we, we have big programs to help out, but it takes people on the street, at street level, uh, to be able to know the truth. And the people who we've helped cannot believe how thankful they were, how thankful they were for us responding because we came to them. They didn't you know, come to us to fill out some forms. We really came to them you know, to help. So I'm just saying is that I appreciate the work that you're doing, a compassionate work you know, to help out. Thank you. Daniel, is there anything else that you would like to say at this time? Yeah, just if people want to reach out if there are needs in your area or if uh, you're listening and you're a, a minister who wants to reach out and talk about, get more information about the network, we love talking to brethren, talking to ministers, finding out what's going on in the Church of God, hearing people's stories, um, getting feedback. You know, we we relish critical feedback. We uh, We can't improve and, and fix things if we don't know what's uh, what we're doing wrong. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us, anyone who's listening. Okay. Well, thank you very, very much. And Daniel, it's been good to have you here on the podcast. We appreciate this very much. Likewise. We thank you, our listeners, for joining us here today for The Cubic Report. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please share it and tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Podbean, 
which includes information about this podcast, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Pocket Caster, and other podcasting platforms. You can easily find us on any browser address bar by simply typing in the words, The Cubic Report, and there we are. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your impressions and suggestions. So write to us at thecubic at gmail.com, V-K-U-B-I-K at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more.